0: Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. Well, we're going to continue this week on um, the on the message restored. Um, also something exciting that's happening today, and I don't know if it's all working, but um, we are making strides towards our... We're all working, all right. So we are making strides towards... Our um, online services, and if you've noticed, there's been some new lighting and stuff like that. We're still trying to work that out and get it um, get it lined out a little bit. And you're thinking, why do we need that? I thought it was already bright and obnoxious enough. But um, this is for our online, and so uh, our our presence is better and our product is better online. Um, we are reaching between 150 and 250 people every week online, and so, yeah, it's, it's just incredible, and our vision moving forward is that every single day we are in the palm of your hand um, with the Word of God, every single day, and so through different avenues, through videos and, and memes and, and things like that that draw your attention to what we talked about Sunday, if you miss, let me just tell you this, there is nothing like being here in the presence of God, there's nothing like it, You cannot get around it by staying at home. But let me say this, that if you have to miss for whatever reason, I know that there are several that work shift work and things like that. There's just times where you just can't make it. Sometimes you just want to go out of town, and that's okay. And so if you're not here, for whatever reason, tune in online and you can stay hooked up. You can give online. You can give at wolcarlsbad.com. You can text your giving at any time. Stay hooked up and connected, and you're going to see more and more and more of that in the coming weeks and months as we continue to roll out new things. But today... We are live streaming not only on Facebook Live, but we're also live streaming on YouTube Live, and we're uh, live streaming on Periscope, which is hooked up with Twitter. So we're expanding into the audience that we're able to reach. We have a new website that's going to be launching, fingers crossed, this week, all right? And um, we have a new app that's going to be launching... Fingers crossed in about three weeks. All right, so um, you're going to be able to to hook up with Word of Life in all kinds of different ways, and we're very excited about that. Uh, Pastor Daniel will be back next week. He is chomping at the bits. I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't been there in so long. I feel like I've got so much to say." So you might want to pack a lunch next week. Um, I'm playing. Um, But, he is very, very excited to be back with you guys and um, had a very, very fruitful Guatemala trip, and then it's good that he was able to go and relax and rest and spend time with my sister and my three nephews, his three grandsons, um, got to meet the youngest one for the first time, um, TJ, who was just born a few months ago. I got to meet him before my dad did and my mom did, and so... Um, I think that that cements me as favorite uncle of all time, because I got to meet him first, but um, they are there, and they'll be flying home next Saturday, and he'll be with you next Sunday morning, and uh, here for the social on Sunday night, so um, we're excited. We're going to continue today on the subject of being restored. Has anybody enjoyed this? Um, I mean, you don't have to tell me if you haven't. That's all right. Just keep it to yourself, though, because... Um, because I've enjoyed it, but we started out, and I'm going to do just a quick recap, but um, I I want to open with prayer today. Father God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that it's spirit and it's life to us. God, we thank you that all the answers that we need for life and godliness are contained in your word on the pages of the Bible that you breathe, that you inspired, and so God, as we open up your word today, we ask you to teach us through your Holy Spirit. Reveal truth to us as you said you would. God, we pray that the, my speaking and my preaching would not be of words of man's wisdom, but it be with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that no one's faith will stand in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of Almighty God. And we give you thanks today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many are glad that it's not about me today? Anybody glad that, about that? I'm glad about that. I'm glad that it's not about me today, but it's about the Holy Spirit working through me and getting a message to you. Amen? Praise God. I just happen to be the one that's standing up here with a microphone, but really, it could be anybody. It's about what God is saying. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Well, our title text that we've been talking about is in Isaiah 61, and this is echoed in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is standing up in his home church in Nazareth. And he says this, and he reads from Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prisons to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We're going to focus a little bit on that today, that phrase, the acceptable year of the Lord. And what does that mean? Going on, it says in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. It says they will rebuild the old ruins. They will raise up the former desolations and they will repair the waste cities the desolations of many generations. When he's talking here about ruins, he's talking about the things in your life that have decayed. When he says desolations, it's the things that have been wasted. And the waste cities are the things that the heat has dried and has cracked. If you see the picture here of a cathedral, a beautiful cathedral, right? Historic, But over time, these cathedrals, they need restoring, they need restoration. I was in a cathedral in Boston that was being restored. It was under construction and being restored to its former glory, to the place that it used to be. St. Peter's Cathedral in New York City, absolutely fabulous. If you ever have the chance, go to St. Peter's Cathedral in New York City. It's just phenomenal. But over the years, over the decades and the centuries, it's needed upkeep, it's needed maintenance, it's needed to be restored. If not, it would become dried and cracked and wasted and falling apart, something that was once beautiful. Do you ever feel like in your Christian walk, man, I wish I was how I used to be? Because I used to be on fire for God and now I feel like I'm just kind of wasted. I feel like I need restoring. Well, how many know that we serve a God who restores? Amen. We serve a God who specializes in restoration. And so we talked about those things. We talked about how when... You feel in your life that there's an opportunity gone because those things have been wasted and you're never going to get that opportunity back that that ship has sailed and I can't get that back. No, we serve a God that has the ability to bring that opportunity back to you, that has the opportunity to bring that back to fruition in your life to restore those broken places and those wasted places. We've all made mistakes, guys. But He has the opportunity to bring that back to you. So we talked about that. And we talked about the children of Israel and how they journeyed out of Egypt. They were in Egypt in captivity. They were slaves. They were building bricks without straw. And that was not God's best for them. And how that's likened to us in our Christian walk when we were in darkness or we were without Christ, without hope in the world as the scripture tells us. Then God reached out and pulled us out of slavery and he said, let my people go. Just like Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And so they came out of captivity and they come up to the Red Sea. Now the Red Sea is extremely important and not just because God parted the waters. But the word Red Sea, it means a place where there is a lot of weeds and reeds and tangling and it will, it will tangle you up to where you can't move and it will suck you in and you drown. Sometimes we tried to cross the Red Sea on our own. You can't cross the Red Sea on your own. But what did God do? He parted the Red Sea. So they walked across on dry ground, and when they got across the Red Sea, they sang unto God praises to Him. I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. And then about 10 minutes later, it seems like, just the next chapter in the Bible, we see the, God's people, the children of Israel, complaining because the water was bitter, It happens a lot of times in our life. God does something miraculous, and that first miraculous thing that God does is just like off the charts, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, I am never, ever going to go from this place because my God just owned that problem. But then what happens? Another problem comes up. Ah, the water's bitter. Did you bring me here to die? And we forget what God has done for us. So we talked about your restoration. The children of Israel were in a place that was called Marah. And Marah means bitterness. It means bitterness. And so they drank from the water and it was bitter. But Jesus said that you can say to a sycamine tree which was known to be bitter, to be plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea if you had the faith just as a grain of mustard seed. And so Jesus spoke Jesus spoke, and that word changed everything. And so, in our lives, the same thing happens. Bitterness comes up, and we speak to it, and we say, No, bitterness has no part of me because it's got to be cast out. It's got to be thrown into the sea. What did Moses do to change the, the bitterness of the water? He pulled up a tree and he threw it into the river, and it changed, and it became sweet. It's a miracle. Because bitterness grips us. But Jesus said, if you have just barely any faith, you can talk to bitterness and tell it to leave. And it has to obey you. And so we see that here. When Moses, and he made the waters sweet. They went on and they needed manna for sustenance and God provided the manna, the food for their daily sustenance. Now this wasn't God's best for them. He had sent them to the promised land but He provided for their everyday need in the manna. He provided for them. But God's best for you is for you to move past the manna and to move into the promised land. So they went on, but your first step to your restoration is this. Your first step to your restoration is to deny the presence of bitterness, regret, and revenge from restricting God's restoration power. All you have to do is deny it. Deny its power in you. I will not be controlled by bitterness. I will not be fueled by revenge. I will not be controlled by regret. But I'm going to move forward. And God's going to restore me. If this would have been this way, if that would have been that way, then everything would be fine. But now I've just wasted that opportunity. No, it, today's my day of restoration. And I'm going to deny the presence of regret. I'm going to deny the presence of bitterness. If, if things would have gone my way, if they would have seen the value in me, if I wouldn't have been treated that way. We serve a God that restores Deny the presence of bitterness, regret, and revenge from restricting God's restoration power. Today's a new day. So the children of Israel, they come to the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is interesting because Jordan River, the word, and this is like, and we're gonna get to another river here in a minute, but this is like the tale of three rivers, I was thinking. I thought, you know, we could have called this the tale of three, it's a worse name. Like, restored is a better name, I think. But we're talking about three rivers here really But the Jordan River, it means freedom It means freedom They came up to the Jordan River and they had to cross it In order to get into the promised land And you don't hear as much about the Jordan River as you did about the Red Sea Because they had just come out of Egypt, out of captivity They were like, God, what are you going to do now? You just brought me out of that place And now I've come against the Red Sea What am I going to do? And God was like, well, I guess we'll part the Red Sea. And so he parts it. They're like, bro, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. That is totally Snapchat worthy. They're walking down the Red Sea. It's dry ground. Hey, I'm walking here, right here. You're like Instagram live. I'm here at the Red Sea. Yeah, I know. That in front of me, that's the Red Sea. It's dry ground. I'm like in the middle of the sea, dude. Crazy. The Red Sea was an experience. The Red Sea was an experience. So what did God do at the Jordan? They had to cross the Jordan. They had to cross freedom. What did they do when they crossed freedom? Joshua told them, and we're going to get into Joshua real heavy today, but Joshua told them, if you put both of your feet in the Jordan River, carrying the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and when the Ark touches the water and your both feet are in, the waters are going to part. And then what happened? They put both feet in, the ark touched, and as soon as the ark touched, the waters parted. You don't hear as much about it because that's like old news. Yeah, God parts rivers. We know that. We saw it. And he parted the Jordan for them, and they crossed over once again on dry ground. It's very important, this Jordan River. We see a story in 2 Kings where a man named Naaman He had leprosy, and he went to see Elisha the prophet. And Elisha said, I want you to go and wash yourself in the Jordan River or in freedom seven times. And if you'll wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, then you're going to be clean from your leprosy. Naaman didn't want to do it because the Jordan River was kind of gross like the Pecos. (laughs) I want you to go swim in the Pecos seven days in a row. Mm, how about no did you know one time I threw up from drinking Pecos River water I don't know why I'm telling that story but <laughs> I was in I was in high school and we were swimming and uh, at a friend's house who lived on the river and I decided I was going to swim across the river I'm a terrible swimmer I decided I was going to swim across it's not that far I'm going to swim across and I'm going to come back. Nobody like goes, hey, I bet you can't swim across the river. I was just dumb enough to say, I'm going to swim across the river. So I take off and about halfway, I start like, my arms are like tired and I'm not Michael Phelps up here. I don't know if you noticed that. But so my arms start getting tired and I like start taking in water and I'm like, I'm going to die right here. Just this is it. Uh, That's all right, I guess, but I'm just going to go. And uh, finally, I got back. And when I got back, I had taken in so much Pecos River water that I got up on the dock and I threw up. And I don't know that anybody saw it. I, I, to this day, I'm hopeful that no one saw it. No one has ever said anything, but... And I have no idea why I told that story. Self-deprecation, right? Do you think less of me? All right. So... I try to set the bar low, and then I say something smart, and you're like, whoa, that was pretty, I can't believe he said that, you know, you're like, anyway, so um, let's go back, so Naaman goes, his servant said, bro, if he would have told you to do something great, you would have done it, no problem, you would have just done it, but he told you, wash in the Jordan River seven times, and you're like, I'm not doing that, he says, do you want to be clean or not? So Naaman washes in the Jordan River seven times. When he washed consistently in freedom, he was cleansed. When he washed consistently in freedom. See, one time wouldn't have done it. You feeling bad, one time coming to church isn't going to do it. It may make you feel better for a second, but it's not going to clean you. But he had to wash in freedom because the Jordan River is Freedom. So, step two to your restoration is this completely immerse yourself in freedom. The priests had to put both feet in while carrying God, and they reached their freedom. Naaman had to be all the way in. It wasn't dip your toe in the Jordan River seven times, it wasn't splash it on you seven times. Get all in. Get all into freedom. Septuagint restoration is completely immerse yourself in freedom. And so, part three. Part three. These guys, and we're going to go a little bit back and forth, like pre Jordan River, post Jordan River, a little bit today with the children of Israel. But these guys, they crossed over into into the promised land. But immediately when they crossed over, they faced this insurmountable mountain that they had to overcome called Jericho. Jericho's walls were really tall and they were strong. And it looked like Jericho was a very formidable foe that they could not overtake Jericho. Even to the point That in Numbers chapter 13, this is when Moses was still the leader before he appointed Joshua as the new leader and Moses went and walked with God. In Numbers 13, it says, And they told him, Meaning they told Moses, they said, we went to the land. These are spies that Moses sent to say, you know what? I heard those dudes were really big and really bad over there. But I also heard that there is a lot of good stuff over there. Like like it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The fruit is like the best fruit you've ever had. That the promised land is no joke But I also heard that they protect it and they want to fight against whoever comes and tries to take their land. And so Moses sent spies. When they came back, they said, we went to the land where you sent us. This is Numbers 13, verse 27. We went to that land. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites that dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. Man, with all those names, I would be freaked out. I'm like, I haven't heard of those guys, but I... Ooh, they sound bad. They dwell in the land of the mountains and the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea. And then Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once And take possession, for we're able to overcome it. See, they came back, and they were like, Dude, it was everything and more that we had hoped for, except for the people protecting it are huge, and their cities, we can't overcome it, and we will be squashed the moment that we enter the land. And Caleb's like, Dude, hush, let's go right now, and let's take it, because we're able to overcome it. We're bigger than they are. It says, but the men, very next verse, who had gone with him said, we are not able to go against those people, for they're stronger than we. And the land that we have gone in as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw are men of great stature. And we saw giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Notice, they say we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We viewed ourselves as small compared to them. Like we can't even approach them. We're tiny in their eyes and in ours. If we go on, Numbers 14 So so all the congregation, they lifted up their voices and they cried and people wept that night. We've come all this way. Forty years, God took us past the Red Sea. God took us past the bitter water. God took us past the manna. God took us past the Jordan. And we are now on the threshold of the promised land and we can't go. Because we're going to get crushed. We're going to get crushed. We can't even stand up to these guys. And the people that were crying and the children of Israel. See, these people were people that have followed God. They had seen God move in such a miraculous way. I would argue this, and many of us that are sitting in this room, we've seen God move. We've seen God perform miraculous things in our life. If you remember back to what you used to be, And how you were pretty messed up. And how God has transformed you. Sometimes we forget that. And we say, man, we can't overcome this problem. It says, all the children of Israel complained against Moses. And the whole congregation said to him, if we had only died in Egypt. That seemed to be their go-to, right? We should have just died in Egypt. I was in the middle of the water in the Pecos. I was like, I should just die here. It'd be easier than going the rest of the way. If we'd only died in Egypt, if we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land only to fall by the sword? And that our wives and our children should become victims. Would it be not better for us to just turn around and go back to Egypt? sometimes in our Christian walk we get to a place where things become hard and we're like it was better for me before I met God I'm just going to go back there you forgot about the slavery you forgot about the Red Sea you forgot about the water becoming sweet and you're like it's too hard to restore it's too hard to restore forget it, I'm out It's not worth it so they said to one another let's return to Egypt and Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation and the children of Israel how many times as a pastor have I fallen on my face and said what are you doing what are you don't you remember what God has done don't you remember Come on, get up. Let me hold you up. Let's go. Because I held out my arms one time. That's what Moses is saying. I remember holding out my arms and the Red Sea was parted. I remember when I pulled up that tree and I threw it under the direction of God. I remember what God brought us from. What are you doing? Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Because your restoration day is today. It's time for your restoration. It says, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, who were led among those, I'm sorry, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes, and they stood up, and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, and they said, the land that we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. These two guys They stood up and they said, look, we support Moses, we support Aaron, and we support our God. And the land that we saw is an exceedingly good land. See, the the children of Israel listened. And it wasn't just Moses speaking on behalf of God. It wasn't just Aaron speaking on behalf of God. But the tide began to shift because now there was a man named Joshua that was speaking because he had caught that vision. And he said, you know what? We're not restored yet, but we're on our way to restoration. We're going to stop speaking that this is insurmountable and we can't overcome this. But we're going to say, come on, let's go. That's a good land over there. And we need to go to it, Joshua And Caleb stood up. And they began to make a difference. Joshua said, the land we, we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. And if the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us to this land and he'll give it to us. If the Lord delights in us, does the Lord delight in you? Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. God delights in you because of Jesus. So he said, uh, He will bring you to the land that flows with milk and honey, only do not rebel against the Lord. For fear the people of the nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us, so don't fear them. Don't fear them. So Joshua and Caleb they stood up. And they said, come on, the Lord is with us. And if the Lord is with us, we can be restored to that former glory that we've been called to be restored to. And so they go up to the Jordan River, and they pass through the Jordan River. And when they pass through in Joshua chapter 4, and I told you we're going to bounce back and forth a little bit, something very important happened when they passed through the Jordan River. Because remember this whole conversation here. Of, we can't beat these guys these guys are too big we can't overcome the walls of Jericho we can't make it we're going to be crushed but then the people rallied and they cross over freedom and Joshua speaks to the people and Joshua is now in charge he speaks to the people and he says look just a little while ago everybody was ready to give up Everybody was ready to give up. Everybody was ready to go just a little while ago. But now, God's bringing us out of that place. And how easily we forgot the Red Sea. And how easily we forgot the bitter water. And how easily we forgot all those things that God has done for us. I want us to take time and build a memorial to this day, to this occasion, and how our God saved us once again. So they all gathered up rocks and they built a memorial. And the scripture tells us in Joshua 4 that it's for their descendants and their descendants' descendants to go and to look and remember how good their God is. It's important in your life that you build memorials. That you have benchmarks. God builds m- memorials. He promised Noah, I'll never flood the earth again and he put a rainbow in the sky. And The book of Revelation tells us that around the throne of God, there's a rainbow. And I'm convinced that there's a rainbow around the throne of God, and there's a rainbow in the sky because God reminds us and he reminds himself that he's never gonna flood the earth again. Memorials. What are your memorials in your life? What reminds you of the goodness of God? What reminds you? Every time you see it, of the goodness of God. So they move forward in Joshua chapter 6. And when they first saw Jericho, they saw this big tall wall and these mighty warriors. History tells us that the people of Jericho, they weren't warriors. They just had a big wall. They weren't fighters. They just looked scary. And nobody messed with them because they couldn't break through their fortress. Well, when Joshua sought the Lord and said, what do we need to do about this wall? What do we need to do about Jericho? The Lord says, I want you to march around it Around the city, one time each day for six days in silence. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around six more times in silence. And then, the seventh time that you march around the city, I want you to blow your trumpets and shout for your victory. And the walls will come down. His instructions were very important, like everything, right? His instructions. On the seventh time, shout, because God has given you the city. I want you to keep your mouth shut. This is essentially what God said to them. I want you to keep your mouth shut until you can see your victory. I want you to keep your mouth shut until you can see your victory. Church, he's telling us today, keep your mouth shut until you can see your victory. You want to be restored? Stop talking about how bad your life is. Keep your mouth shut Until you can see your victory And then Because I, I, I'm the same way There are times when I'm like I want to get to here But I don't know how I'm ever going to get to here And if I can't see it It's hard for me To be excited about it And it's hard for me To speak it He told them Just walk around the city Build your faith And keep your mouth shut Until you can see your victory But when you can see your victory I want you to shout Because you understand Your victory now So, what did they do? They obeyed God. They obeyed God. And when they sounded the trumpets, the ram's horn, he said, I want you to sound the trumpet of a ram's horn. And I don't have time to get way into this today. But if you want a very fascinating study to go a little bit deeper, then I want you to study Jubilee and what Jubilee means in the scripture. But essentially, Jubilee was a year where all debts were forgiven. All debts were forgiven. And it was set in motion in the law. All debts were forgiven. When Jesus read from Isaiah 61, when he stood up in the church and he said, today is the day to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Remember, we said that in the beginning today. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, Jesus said, to proclaim jubilee. To proclaim the age of jubilee. So starting now is the age of jubilee. Jesus ushered it in. Today we live in the age of jubilee. Why? Because Jesus paid our debts forever. He paid our debts forever when he was on the cross. In his death, burial, and resurrection. He paid our debts And so we live in an age now of jubilee. Well, jubilee was signified with the blowing of the ram's horn. Remember, the children of Israel, they crossed over freedom. They crossed over the Jordan. They marched around the city seven days and seven times on the last day. And then they blew the trumpets. And when they blew the trumpets, it means that they understood their jubilee. And today starts my freedom. Today starts my jubilee and those walls that were insurmountable that I could never overcome are coming down today because today marks the day of jubilee for me. It marks the day of my freedom because they could see it now. They could see their freedom. They could see that God had brought them so far, and I built a memorial to him, and I'm, I'm, I'm running to him, and I'm on this race to completion for him. This was their restoration. They were being restored to those former days with Joseph. Remember, we talked about week one that there was a Pharaoh who came up that didn't know Joseph. The children of Israel were blessed. Because of Joseph Joseph was powerful But generations went by And they began to decay And they had a process Of restoration But then Moses came As their deliverer And 40 years later They reached the promised land What's like in this In the New Testament And I've got to hurry today I'm almost done Kind of Like half. Like 50-50. So, let's fast forward here. Luke chapter 5. And this is when Jesus is calling some of his disciples. Luke chapter 5. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And I don't know if that's how you say it or not, um, but that's how we're going to say it. And so, if you want to say it a different way, you can say it a different way. I'm going to say it this way. It doesn't change the theology. All right? We could we call it whatever. But it says on this day, standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats. They're left by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got onto one of the boats that belonged to Simon. And he said, pull out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put your, uh, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, he said, Master, we've worked all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And when they came, they had filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. For he saw all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that he had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. I know that was a lot of text, but I'm going to break it down. I wanted to get through the whole thing. First of all, we talked about, I said that we were going to talk about three rivers. We talked about the Red Sea. We talked about the Jordan River. Now let's talk about Gennesaret, or however you say it. Let's talk about this. Gennesaret was a, a, a place that meant princely garden. Princely garden. It was said that Gennesaret was so fertile and rich that anything would grow there. You ever know people who they can just go out there and throw some seed, and they have like this beautiful like orchard, like the next day. And you go to Lowe's and you pick out the plant that says impossible to kill, and you kill it, right? This one needs no water, you leave it alone, you put it in the middle of the sun, or in the shade, or in your house, or outside, or whatever, and it grows, and you kill it, right? Well, Gennesaret, you go and you just throw some seed, anything grows there, so fertile, so fertile. Well, when Jesus went up, he was at Gennesaret, and he was preaching the word of God. I don't believe that's an accident. See, the reason why I look up the names of these lakes and the names of these seas and things like I always find something that God is trying to say to us that gives me a better picture of his purpose, a better picture of his goodness. See, I don't think these names are by accident. I don't think that God put anything in the Bible that's by accident. That's why we can keep reading it over and over and over and over again, and He keeps teaching us things over and over and over again, because there's so much in it. Anybody think God's smarter than us? I know He's smarter than me. You're like, amen, I know that too. So He goes to Gennesaret, the princely garden where anything grows, and the people are crowding around. And he saw on the water's edge, boats left by fishermen. And he got in one of the boats that belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Now, you know that Peter Simon had fished all night. Anybody work graveyards sometimes? Who works graveyards sometimes? Ken, do you work graveyards? Never. You never work a graveyard. Is there nobody in here that works graveyards? Oh, you do. Yeah, B.C. does. All right. When you work a graveyard, you come up off a graveyard, you're tired, right? Yeah? Come up off a graveyard, you're tired. All you want to do is go to bed. You think Simon wanted to go to bed? Plus he had a bad night, right? You ever have a bad night on a graveyard? You don't want to talk to nobody? Forget about it. He had a bad night on a graveyard. He fished all night. He's like, I don't want to talk to nobody. And then this dude that I don't even know, he comes up and he's like, hey, can I use your boat? Uh, how about I go to bed and call me at another time? Peter could have easily said, no, forget it, but he didn't. He pushed out, and Jesus sat down, and he taught the people. And when he had finished, Peter's like, all right, time to go to bed. And Jesus says, why don't you go out into the deep? And he's like, bro, all right, I was nice. I let you have my boat. I sat here the whole time while you were teaching. Don't get me wrong. It was good. I learned a couple things, but I, man, I, yeah, I gotta go to bed. He's like, man, I fished all night. We hadn't caught anything. Peter did something very, very important. He said, yeah, I fished all night. I haven't caught anything, but because you said so. But because you said so. Earlier in that same passage, He said the word master. He said the word master. He said, master, we've worked all night. We didn't catch anything, but because you said so, I'll do it. How many know that even though we think we figured everything out, sometimes we need to just say, God, I've already done this and this and this and this, and none of it's working, but because you said so, I'm going to do it because you're my master. Because you said so. And so they go out and they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. They called their partners to come and to help them. So important. So when Jesus said, let's go out into the deep, he said, I don't want you staying right here, Peter. I want you to go to the fullness. I want you to go to everything I have for you. See, in your restoration process, God is saying, I don't want you to stay right here. I want you to go out into the deep. You're like, God, I tried that before, and it didn't work. But nevertheless, I'm going to do it because you said to do it. I've worked all night. I'm trying to make ends meet. It feels like I'm spinning my wheels here here, but there's a change in the situation and that's because the Lord spoke. That's the change in the situation. The Lord has spoken now. And if we're willing to be a vessel if we're willing to say, I know that I thought I had it figured out, but it wasn't working for me, and so nevertheless, I'm going to do what you have instructed me to do, and we go out, and we go into the deep, and we throw our nets out, then our harvest will become so great that we can't help but shout it out to everybody, hey, come and see what God is doing in my life, because I worked on it on my own, and I couldn't do it on my own, but God has taken me to the place from the place of brokenness to the place of restoration today. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. You see, your participation right here, your participation in the plan of God, it removes you from bogging down the process of solving your own problems, and it gives the Almighty God the opportunity to be glorified in your weakness. Amen? Praise God. We'll read it again. Your participation in the plan of God removes you from bogging down the process of solving your problems and it gives the Almighty God the opportunity to be glorified in your weakness. It's not you. It can't be you. You're terrible at it. It has to be Him. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Peter said, go away from me. Because I'm sinful This is not the time To say God I don't deserve this Jesus didn't even respond to that Peter said go away from me Because I'm sinful I don't deserve this Jesus didn't even respond He didn't give consideration To Peter's feeling of inadequacy But he said from now on I'm going to change the way you fish From now on, you're not gonna do it alone anymore. From now on, we're gonna have a higher way of living because it's your day of restoration. So let's go and reach the world together. It's your day of restoration. Let's reach success together. Today's your day of restoration. So don't shrink yourself anymore because it's your day of glory today. It's the day that your walls come down. It's a day that your Jericho falls because they're not stronger than you. You've been making excuses for a long time saying, I can't get over this, I can't get over that because it's just so great in my life. It's so big. It's so powerful. I can't overcome it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Caleb says, whoa. Let's go and take it now because we're stronger than they are. The land is great. And this is where you say, nevertheless, going to do it. Nevertheless, step three to your restoration is your consistent trust in God to make the difference. I know you can't figure it out, neither can I. Step three to your restoration. Remember, step one. Let's run through those again. Step one, deny the presence of bitterness, regret, and revenge from restricting God's restoration power. Step two, completely immerse yourself in freedom. And then step three, your consistent trust in God to make the difference. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Today's a day of your restoration. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your exceeding love that goes bigger than us. God, we feel like Peter sometimes. God, I don't deserve what you've given me. But you don't even give consideration to the fact that we feel like we don't deserve it because you sent Jesus to give us what we don't deserve mercy mercy you know I think about mercy this way it's coming on Christmas time and we all know Santa Claus right he's got a list he's checking it twice I don't want to see your hand, but how many of y'all need to be on the naughty list? Just be honest. You know, growing up, I guarantee you deserve to be on the naughty list. But what happened every Christmas, no matter what you deserved, you still had those gifts. You still had those gifts. Every one of us deserve death because of our actions, because of the things that we had done. But Jesus Christ, he set us free and he gave us what we didn't deserve. We all deserve coal, but he gave us the greatest gift that could ever be given and dying on the cross for us, rising again. Scripture tells us that today is a day of salvation. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter the attitudes you've had or even how many times you pushed God away. His arms are open to you. I believe that was for somebody today. I don't think I've ever said that before. It doesn't matter how many times you push God away. His arms are open to you. See, the way our God is, is that he knows everything. So right now, he used me because I'm standing up here a message to someone, and I don't know who, it could be someone online, it could be somebody in this room, I'll never know, and I don't want to know, and that's okay, that's a God thing, and a you thing, it's not a me thing, I'm not nosy, I don't care. But He knows right where you're at right now, He knows how to get a message to you, and today is a day for your salvation. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, what we're saying is, Jesus, I realize that I can't do it alone. I need you because your way is better than my way. I need help. That Jesus is Lord, and then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you believe that that's true, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and he rose again. And the Bible says that you'll be saved Jesus comes in and he begins to guide you and lead you and transform your life. And then once this life is over, then you have the promise of eternity with him. So if you've never said that prayer and you want to, I wanna lead you in that prayer today. And I'm gonna invite everyone in here to say it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, because we're all family in here, once again, it's not about me about you and it's about God. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or come up here or anything. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You've got a body of people around you that consider you family to support you. And so just say this after me if you would. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me, and to change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.